0: Shall we begin? Let's begin now.
1: Hello, I'm Richard Hattersley, and welcome to No Accountant for Taste, a podcast for accountants from accountantweb.co.uk. Today on the show, we're looking back at last week's budget. Was it a non-event for accountants or were there some rabbits hiding in the undergrowth of the budget red book? And then later, as the world leaders gathering Glasgow for COP26, we'll be asking, what role do accountants have to play in the climate crisis? Joining me to discuss all of this and more is my co-host, AccountingWeb's John Stockdyke. Hello, John.
0: Hi, Dickie. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you in this setting and with our our weekly or our fortnightly accountant uh, guests as well. So thanks for having me again.
1: Well, let's introduce our guests then. So in Accountant's Corner, this week is a regular on the Accountant Web Podcast Airwaves. It's Matt Port, the founder of Port & Co. Um, Hello, Matt. Thank you for again agreeing to enter the virtual pod booth.
2: Hi, gents. Always a pleasure.
1: So, uh, Matt, at the start of the year, Porting Co. became B Corp accredited. So later in the show, uh, you'll be discussing more about how the accounting profession holds the keys, hopefully, to building a more sustainable future for our economy. But first, let's race through the most read stories of the past week. And let's be honest, there was only one story that has got the profession talking, and that is, of course, the budget. So on 27th of October... Rishi Sunak delivered his third budget. It was a 65-minute speech, uh, had very little surprises, as many of the spoilers were leaked to the uh, press days before the Chancellor stepped towards the dispatch box. Um, So Sunak did receive a little bit of a slap wrist before by the Speaker of the House. Uh, But as I said, many leaks there about the increase in national living wage, then much else was somewhat leaked before the actual speech um and when he actually did stand up there wasn't really much to get tax aficionados excited beyond uh, alcohol duty tweaking and a few issues with r&d relief and tonnage tax uh john what did you make of the budget a big event or was it a little bit of a disappointment
0: i i think i um my, my my if if there is disappointment on my tar part it's 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 often tinged by self-interest um as as you know I'm I'm not even having covered the market since uh, gosh getting on for almost 25 years I I am by disposition a technology, uh, person rather than a tax person. So it's always forcing me into territories that make me feel uncomfortable. So for me, the kind of budget that has very, very few substantive tax changes is, um, is great. I think, I think, uh, Neil Warren uh, took my guide from here. He, uh, he he's our VAT expert, and uh, his reaction was: the more that he heard the Chancellor talk about the alcohol duty, uh, the more he realised that we're not going to hear any significant VAT changes today. And uh, he he was pleased because that meant he could knock off early and watch the football uh, that evening. So so, Jerry said it was a bit like bit of relief on my part. I I had spent the afternoon wrestling with the business rates reform, um, and really I think that. That wasn't the great overhaul that that the retail industry in particular was hoping for so so very much uh, you mentioned the rabbits uh that of paul aplin's uh thing it It was sort of funny how many rabbits didn't come out of the hat uh, for for which probably we could be thankful i mean if you remember previous years you know all those all those ugly surprises you know are always the thing that just possess the profession so if there's one benefit of all the leaks and the steers it's it's that we are being taken by surprise a little bit less and that's to be welcomed um, we've just noticed we got we're recording this on Thursday the 4th of November we just got the draft finance bill clauses through from the HMR uh, from the Treasury and it, it is just documenting most of the things he mentioned there aren't any so far we haven't seen any surprises in there so so nice quiet budget it may not be great for, for spectacular headlines and traffic, but um, you know, bringing a bit of, of, you know, if we take some of the, the pre-budget hype out of it, I think I think bringing a bit of mature reflection to the um, tax policy process is to be welcomed.
1: So the, the, the budget itself, the 65-minute speech, um, there wasn't too many fireworks, but when the Red Book dropped, there was a little bit more substance. I wouldn't go as far as to call them rabbits, but there was some... F- Some items which did uh, interest our readers a little bit more in the 200 page document, such as the extension of the CGT reporting from 30 days to 60 days, an extension of the 1 million annual investment allowance as well was included in the book. And probably what received the most reaction from our readers was the confirmation of the basis period reform, which also makes an appearance in the, the finance bill, which was released on the day of recording. Matt, famously, um, our, view, our listeners may remember your last appearance when we were talking about the job support scheme, which at that point was um, it, it was uh, removed before it even began. And you famously said that you didn't take much notice of it because you thought that was not going to go through. Um <laughs> And and you were right to do that. So with the budget, did you have a similar kind of feeling that you kind of sensed there wasn't going to be much happening? So you kind of took a similar kind of approach.
2: Yeah, well, I think all of the the key policies were were leaked. Um, so yeah, we we kind of digested those before. I did feel that there would be yeah that one rabbit in the hat. Um, so I was kind of hanging on the end for for it and didn't didn't really feel it, it ever came. But. As John said, you know we've got to be we've got to be honest about where we are with, with public finances. So um, yeah, it's broadly welcomed.
1: Was there anything within the actual uh, the speech or some of those announcements which did um, did get you thinking maybe that might might affect my clients or was most of it um, such tinkering? tonnage <laughs> yeah. tax. We're looking at you. That um it's not going to really bother my clients too much
2: yeah i think the biggest announcement um it was about the reforms to R and D, where the expenditure has to be incurred in the uk um, i think that's going to have quite a big big impact and we need to look across the detail um of that to understand its, its impact um again it's I, I kind of understand the logic behind it so i'm not Massively against it, but um, the, for me there's two aspects to research and development. Obviously, it's about creating uh, strong companies that are innovative for the future um, in the UK. But I understand obviously that they want that credit to be to be spent um, in for UK companies.
1: With the actual budget process itself, I think the whole idea of leaking a lot of the items before the budget has sort of raised a few questions about the, the whole presentation of the budget, something Rebecca Seely harris uh, uh, pointed out in her piece on Accounted Web. She said, what I would like to see the most in the future is for the incessant drip feed of leaks and pre-budget measures such as the social care levy to stop and be delivered in the actual budget itself once a year in a timely fashion. Matt, do, do you think having one day when everything gets announced is the the right approach or would you kind of prefer something which is more spread across the year
2: yeah well i think we you know we need to consider the impact that these announcements have um so many accountants for example will set aside budget day to respond to the client queries that inevitably follow um if that's a planned announcement you can do that uh when things are just you know come out and you know it hits the headlines and then you get your inbox full. what's this and you've got no idea um because you haven't even seen the announcement yet um yeah it's it's not helpful to to clients or or the profession so yes basically
0: yeah and i mean we, we sort of operationally as journalists um we sort of you know there's rituals that we get used to and follow uh, and i think this year i I've, I've had a nervous breakdown at at so at when 235 because i couldn't find the budget page on the treasury website um so so it's you know if we have march budgets we have november budgets you know we'll have two budgets um it it's it's a little bit frustrating that that the sort of what actually happens and how they go about it keeps keeps sort of changing by chancellor whim or by circumstance and um you know there was this Tax policy uh, program to 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 sort of kind of make it slower and more consultative. That was back in 2010, and and it's just funny how we're well, it's it's less consultative than just more filling the media matrix now. But um, sort of that 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 whole approach is is after 11 years seems to be pretty much disadvantage dismantled and just running under um, you know a completely new Rishi Sunak style so it's it's a, it's in practical terms it's a little bit frustrating uh,
1: the other thing from this budget that really struck me was that a lot of the commentary coming post budget was around what wasn't in the budget rather than the measures announced in the budget um just looking on uh, any answers forum there was readers sharing their list of items which they kind of wished were in there um especially around cgt reform because uh, we did get the the news on the extension of cgt reporting but some of the readers were reeling off a list of um how they didn't go far enough or there was plenty more tinkering to be done from um suggestions from the office of tax simplification and the big one seen as the budget came a week or so before COP26. There seemed to be fairly little there in terms of uh, actual green announcements. Uh, Matt, did that surprise you much that there wasn't really much there? Uh, In fact, there there was something there about uh, uh, air passenger duty, but not really something there about any, any green initiatives.
2: Yeah, it did take me by surprise. And uh, I've had to do a bit more reading since on the logic of the, the domestic air passenger duty, because, um, you know, I accept it's a small impact, but leadership is about setting the tone and helping people understand your, your vision. Um, and I understand the levelling up agenda, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it just, the, the kind of the headline of it sort of made you think, oh, why why have they done that at a time when we're trying to uh, implement more more sustainable ways of travel. So um, yeah, and I, I guess, you know, there's obviously negotiations to have at, at COP26 and announcements to be made there, but I, I do think it was a bit of a missed opportunity to set the tone for, for this week.
0: Yeah, the well, fuel duty freeze was another little prick in the government's green credibility there. Um, you know, the, obviously with the fuel rises the government wants doesn't want to hit the motorist vote in the pocket but um it wasn't a good look you know, do do as we do as we say don't do as we do uh, as they go to glasgow
1: john was there any thing in the budget that you was there any omissions actually in, in the budget anything which you were kind of expecting which didn't turn up
0: um, well, again, all those headlines that we published, you know, that we, we had our brains trust on standby to, um, you know, give us the instant analysis and, and impact assessments on all the measures. And, and we kept having, you know, no changes on corporation tax, IHT, you know, all quiet on IHT. Um, I think there are people following the um, off payroll uh, reforms, you know, the ongoing situation for uh, regarding self-employed. Um, uh, Rebecca Seeley Harris was was again frustrated there was you know no progress on things you know she she had several um you know ideas she's pitched to the treasury and, and and promoted campaigns for but uh you know she she felt it was thin gruel for for that sector uh so yeah you know it's hard to say you know hard to say I'm shocked. I, I mean I, I think the green, the green one is is especially at this point is is the one where Opportunities was missed, or, or perhaps, again, sort of keeping half an eye on on what's going on in Glasgow. Uh, you know, was the chancellor saving up some grand revelation for for the um, the stage at COP twenty I, six? I haven't seen or heard anything from him yet. So, so a bit like Matt, that's the um, that's the one I was sort of had had put my money on. I thought we'd hear something along those lines, and and uh, yeah, the the lack of vision is is a bit frustrating
1: that's a nice segue to move into our more deeper dive conversation this week which is around being a purpose-led accountancy firm with this particular look at green accounting because Matt of course um, as I mentioned at the top of the program you and your firm Port Co has recently become B Corp certified um, and it feels like the big accountancy firms kind of proudly wear their Carbon neutral badges, and um, they they talk quite a lot about being um, sustainable businesses and putting the focus on on all things green. But uh, for the most part, we don't seem to hear as much from smaller firms. There, there may be more of the uh, questions about what smaller firms can do to make a difference. So with COP26 in full swing. Um, I, I'm really curious, Matt, to find out just some of the reasons why you decided to take Port & Co. down this more purpose-led route. What what was kind of the motivation behind becoming a B Corp business?
2: Sure. Um, and sorry, forgive me. I, I better take the opportunity just to slightly correct Um uh, your statements, but uh, I think hopefully it will explain the B Corp journey as well um, So at the start of the year, we internally made a commitment to say that we are going to become B Corp certified um, Throughout the last 10 months We've been working against the B Corp framework to get to our own self-assessed standard of meeting those um Minimum levels um, of, of performance in relation to, to, to society, governments, and the environment, and we have now submitted our um, uh, claim to accreditation, which is going through the audit process. So, um, yeah, it's slightly nuanced. Could and, you just um,
0: clarify what the what the sort of performance criteria are? What what is expected yeah. of you to, to to gain the certification?
2: Yeah, of course. So. Um, There's a free uh, impact assessment tool um, on the B Lab UK website and and effectively I can say what it was for us but every business is different so you answer some uh, questions about the characteristics of your business and then it suggests areas that may be appropriate to you that you might want to consider to implement for your business. Um and then depending on the impact of those and, and how far you go with the answers, you score a series of points um and you and you have to get eighty points from whatever sections are relevant to you to to meet the level of accreditation. So um for me I very much welcomed that because I, I'm quite headstrong and I don't want to do something that um I don't I don't believe in. So um we we make, we were able to go into that process with our missions and values and focus on the areas that we wanted to the most. Um, so th- there are aspects to governance. There's, there's legal obligations in terms of directors to consider the impact on on the environment um, and, and society as a whole, and not just maximizing shareholder value. Um, so, so that's some aspects, but then really uh, starting to, to track a lot of metrics in terms of your, um, what you're doing for your staff, your impacts on the community, your your CO2 emissions, et cetera, et cetera. It's a a very long list.
1: So Matt, let's go into some of those motivations then. Yeah. Um, What was the point then? What was the moment when you decided that this was a route that you wanted to take Port & Co down? Was it something which was Uh, always there was it always something you started out as a firm thinking I wanted to be a purpose-led business or was it influenced more by say your clients employees or just a a sense that you could see um in the general wider world
2: um yeah so I have to be completely transparent in in for for the majority of my life I haven't really given um a lot of this stuff a second thought to be honest um uh coming was sort of doing my period of reflection over Christmas and the new year last year. Um and and we were due to have a, a baby in, in February. Um and it started getting me thinking about what world I wanted to to leave behind. Um and actually starting to think about you know some of these dates that we're talking about 2030, 2050 um, they're actually not that far away, and you know, they're, some of the scenarios we're talking about, of course, they're long-range forecasts. Um, they may not be accurate, but you know, my, my grandchildren will be be around in this time, and, and so it's it started with a, a deeply personal um, belief. Um, but I was also aware of B Corp because we operate predominantly in the food industry, and a lot of our clients have pursued the certification, and I was aware. Um, of that and so yeah it's really sort of been a a been a convert for me and the more that I spoke about our our team with this the more I could see it was a shared value
1: and um, what's been the general reaction then from your clients as you become more vocal about just the uh, some of the things you're doing internally within your firm to embrace um, a more sustainable way of doing business
2: what's really interesting is the conversations that that happen when we when we speak to people uh i'm sure many of the readers know you put a lot of effort into writing a a tax policy um update and you put it out on your, your social media and you get one like or you know and a handful of views um but it's really with our community that we that we engage with so it's more than just more than just our customers but our, our suppliers and, and local businesses as well um, they've really all commented on how they found it really insightful to that we've shared our journey and you know it's given them food for thought as well and yeah if i'm being completely honest with our customers um specifically um, they're aware they welcome it but i think there's so many things which are focusing on sort of like the scope one scope two businesses that they're not yet looking at their supply chains but I do really think that's coming, where where people, when they've looked at within their own business, they're going to start turning their their attention to to supply chains, which Tesco have done in the last few weeks, incidentally, requiring all of their uh, suppliers to to, um, to comment on their greenhouse gas emissions.
1: Matt, I'm curious as well, just to um, just to find out a little bit more about the actual mechanics of how um this you the approach you've taken has changed the way you've done things within your firm. so um maybe a, spe- a specific focus on technology um how have you have you kind of changed the way that you um that you use technology in order to become a little bit more a little bit more green
2: um i think the, the best way I can say is that you know in terms of starting point is actually tracking um the data. So, in terms of, we've always been paperless, um, but I didn't necessarily do that being brutally honest because of the green credentials. Um, I just felt it was an inefficient way to work. Um, and so, yeah, we've always worked off um, laptops, you know, the home working thing we do. So, um, yeah, I, I, sh- I can't think that we've specifically implemented any technology in, in terms of hardware that's uh, disulted during this journey. But yeah, in terms of like getting data tracking, like we've got um, extension leads that um, track our uh, electricity usage for our home workers, which was a real problem for us, you know, how do we understand? um, And then that sort of gives us information to understand a lot more about what we do with the size of screens we use, the energy efficiency of those screens, et cetera. So so that would be the the main technology changes.
1: John, you you kind of, Uh, with with your insights hat on study these uh, accounting excellence uh entries and just a general trend in the profession um the, the initial question I asked matt there was just around just kind of smaller firms make a difference are you, are you getting a sense that that this is that small smaller accountancy firms are taking charge in this area or is it still kind of early days
0: um yes i mean richard you've done the um the judging of these awards yourself. And, and I think you've looked at the traffic patterns we, we've we've tracked over the years. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating, when you sort of want to reflect what's happening in the wider world, um, how little traction our sustainability coverage has got in the past. Um, back in the years, we had a discussion group. Uh, Paul Scholes was a, an accounting web member of fine standing who he's actually left accountancy is now an uh, extinction rebellion activist. He's got so so sort of worked up about it. But um, it was a very small minority, that group. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, you sort of talked about it being something of the bigger firms, you know, turning it into profitable consultancy work and Perhaps wrapping themselves up in a little bit of, or, or painting themselves with a little bit green for um, uh, for corporate cosmetic purposes. Um, but it's it's a big cultural thing. I think I think um, you know it's it's, it's frustrating because I think there's evidence for, and people probably in accounting web members when we will come out of the woodwork and say, "Oh, that's not our job. We can't do anything." You know, so there's a, a cultural issue here. And Matt, you know, it's it's. Um, you know you, you you are you are sort of noticeable by how, how rare you are at the moment and, and and a bit of a pathfinder in this area because and and you talked you know the the, the thing that 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 probably would shock our listeners most as you said um, the idea of of perhaps not prioritizing shareholder value you know it's not finance over everything uh, it's 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 um consider value in terms of of your impact on the environment on 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 your social impacts—you uh, know—that the, the there's there's more than share, shareholder and finances, and I and I think that that probably shakes to the core um, and what what large numbers of accountants have assumed through their working lives. They're focusing on, you know, not our job to, to go beyond the finances, uh, and, and and that is the challenge, and, and I think it's one, you know, we all we all need to respond to really. You can't keep shutting yourself off from um, from. You know what is is just visibly happening in front of us all the time now. Um, you know the rainfalls we're getting—they're just sort of heavier and heavier—and you know, the, the leaks in my Brighton house. You know, uh, you know we've got family in California where where um, you know they're just you, you, all of these things. I think what were they saying? You know, the Greek fires. You know, one in ten thousand years events becoming every day. So those things that. Uh, and just in purely in terms of the environment that that, that people um, warned us about so twenty years ago, you know they they've arrived a lot quicker than we thought, and and it is time to start listening to or to, to lift your eyes up and take a little bit of a broader look at, at what what your business is about and and what it what role it can play.
2: Uh, I think that's right, and I think in terms of the, the maximizing shareholder value point, it's. Um, they are actually interlinked you know it's not just about profit in the current year it's about you know that that long-term value of of the business and, and and if we're seeing consumers and supply chains looking to say right actually we want to understand the green credentials of your business as if they were doing a credit report to extend credit um then then yeah you need to start thinking about these things to maximize shareholder value so it, i think that they're still intrinsically linked but but also the profession is very trusted and um to share a story of our of our own journey in 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 the very early days last year before we even started this journey uh we just decided to offset all of our co2 we're a small firm remotely based don't do a huge amount of traveling um but that was just signing up for a monthly retainer and then we can say we're you know carbon positive if you like and um so actually we need to, to establish the reporting and understand, right, well what actually does this mean? Um what have you what have you done? What what's your impact? How much have you been able to um minimize and what value are offset are you offsetting? And and I think offsetting has a huge value, but on its own it you know, there's only so much we can do. We have to look at uh the reduction of the, the CO two gases in the first place.
1: You mentioned it a little bit there, Matt a moment ago, but are you sort of having more of these conversations with your clients around uh, just generally around their green credentials and, and looking beyond the balance sheet um, in those conversations?
2: Yes, absolutely. And um, I was talking with the ACCA about this um, on a publication last week, and I don't want to say that um, they were suggesting it because that would be correct, but they were asking my opinion as to to the role that I felt accountants would play in starting to report on um, you know, some of the CO2 footprint, etc. And so um, I do think that that is a is a role in particular that we can play. I don't necessarily think that we'll be immediately going and telling them how to how to reduce, but you know, um, actually making sure that we've got frameworks to track data and and report in a meaningful and accurate way. I, I think we do have a role.
1: And you mentioned there that some of the, the clients that you deal with obviously is the food in, in the food and drink business. And we have seen a big uptick in just uh, like vegan style food businesses coming up. Um, I know something a few weeks back, we had uh, Keith Lesser from Lesser & Co and his, his niche firm, um, the vegan accountant. And he's seeing an upswing in the number of uh vegan businesses and, and purpose-led food businesses coming forward is that something that you've experienced as well Matt just this space kind of exploding recently with similar kind of businesses coming forward
2: absolutely the um the growth in um plant-based foods is is massive in terms of demand um but also people who are um uh, innovating in the sector um and look, I'm I'm based in Somerset, so um, I would not survive very long if I all said we you know we should stop eating meat. Um, but you know, can we eat a little bit less meat and you know have a, have a few days where we, we don't eat any meat at all? Um, yeah, of course. And I, and I think that's what it's about. We're not telling everyone you need to go to go vegan, but if we're aware of the of the impacts, um, yeah, um, then actually we can we can start making slight tweaks that can have a big impact.
1: And just just the way that you, you work going forward, is there kind of changes which you've made um as a firm, perhaps in, in the way that you work in the office? Is it more remote working now? What kind of things are you looking to implement just to really solidify your um your status as a more purpose led business?
2: Sure. So so for us there's a big focus on, on education and influence. Um so you don't need to have uh, an electric car and and be vegan to, to work here. That's not the type of culture we're trying to, to create. But we want people to be um, open to, to to being aware of these things, um, to understanding the impact they they have. And um, yeah, so for that, us we don't want to we don't really want to come at this from the fear based approach. We we really want to inspire people to want to to make these changes. Um, so yeah, that's that's our real focus at the moment
0: yeah matt i just wanted to react to something you said that, again i think is sort of quite quite important and um, you talked about sustainability of, of the businesses you know and that is a a sort of contributor to, to to shareholder value i mean i I do find myself gravitating to that um you know the terms of the business that that you know can grow sustainably you know you don't just ch- ch- chase revenue and and you know try and maximize profits and everything you, you you kind of um you know build out if you're going to be growing build out in a way that that you know your team can handle that that, that you know you're, you're building moving into you know sectors that that aren't hit and run you know that, that they'll 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 progress you know uh, 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 you know in all, all aspects of your life i think you know there's i do think just just taking things a little bit easier thinking, you know, and, and I think that a lot of this has come from <laughs> spending so much time uh, <laughs> indoors or, or going for walks, you know, I've, you know we, we've all consumed a lot less over these years. And actually, you know, I haven't suffered that much for for not buying as many vinyl records and, and uh, as many pints at the pub, you know, and may, maybe your customers won't like that. Your, your clients won't like that aspect of it, but um as I say, you know, you can you can prosper without consumption, and, and the idea that that growth is founded on, on you know, essentially extractive models, economic models. You know, everybody wants to see us bounce back to growth from from the, pan, the post pandemic, but um, you know, if it's coming out of the ground and being burnt up, you know that 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 isn't sustainable. So, so I'm, I'm sort of whole to that, and uh, really interested to hear you link that back to the. You know the core business objective and, and and issue of building value you know you can do that in in new and, and say more sustainable ways
2: wholeheartedly agree
1: so matt as we wrap this up um maybe some of our listeners may be inspired by the events going on at the moment with more conversation around uh the climate crisis um if what advice would you give to an accountancy firm Perhaps maybe a little bit curious about um, making some changes within their firm. What would be some of those first steps you would advise that they take?
2: Um, So, yeah, if we're thinking about smaller practices, um, they... Well, if we're looking as this goes out, um, the ACCA are running a a completely free course um, on sustainability at the moment, so I'd I'd check that out. Sorry for the plug. Um, but also the business impact assessment on the B Corp, there's no on the B Corp website. There's no commitment to um, to do anything with it. Um, so if you've got a genuine interest, just just go and put in the the answers to um, the questions that they ask you. And consider the other options that are there, uh, and just really see if that if you feel that that fits with your your values and and a path that you want to go down. Because even just going through that framework, there's no requirement that you have to do it in twelve months. If it's if it's five years and you implement some of these things and it's as a direction of travel, it's completely a free resource. You can do it in an hour and a half, two hours. So um, yeah, it's it's definitely well worth doing.
1: And this, of course, is going to be a topic which we'll be talking more about at Account Web Live Expo on the first and second of December in Coventry, so be sure to register to get your ticket by going to accountwebliveexpo.co.uk and you can register for free there, so be sure to go there, book your place and learn a little bit more and hear more stories from accountants there around just how they've uh, made that adjustment and some of the stories there from the trenches. So uh, thanks very much, Matt, for your time today. Uh, Thanks as always, John. And for all your news from the world of accountancy, join us as ever on accountweb.co.uk. So until next time, bye for now.